So what do Chuck Norris and WebAssembly have in common? You'll have to check out this special episode of On.net where we talk about SignalR and Blazor WebAssembly apps. See you there. Hello, and welcome to another episode of On.net. Today, we're going to be talking about SignalR and Blazor applications. I've got fellow Microsoft employee, David Pine. David? Hi, friends. There he is. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what you do at Microsoft, David. Uh, sure. Yeah, I'm a, a content developer. I was working on the Azure Docs for a while and then moved over to the .NET Docs. Um, I'm a huge proponent of open source, um, .NET, C Sharp, TypeScript, all the things, SignalR, Blazor, um, love it all. So you mentioned the last two, SignalR and Blazor. That's obviously why we're here today. So tell us about why it's even interesting to me as a .NET developer, SignalR and Blazor. Uh, well, it's interesting because as a .NET developer with SignalR, you get real-time web functionality. And what that means is um, uh, I like to go to the analogy of are we there yet? So if you have kids um, and if you ever done like a road trip with the kids, uh, you've probably heard, are we there yet? So that's the same kind <laughs> of uh, concept behind like, typical, you know, historically typical web applications where uh, they'd have to like pool for, um, you know, the server asking for updates, right? So like, hey, has this changed? Has this changed? Has this changed? But uh, with SignalR and real-time web functionality, the server and client actually establish a duplex um, communication so they can basically send unsolicited um, messages back and forth in real time. So there's no more kind of waiting. It's just as things happen on the server, they instantly are represented then on the client. So that's super exciting for... Uh, any of those scenarios where real-time web functionality is kind of a requirement. Um, and I think that's becoming more and more pressing of an issue now with, you know, modern technology and application development. Uh, and then Blazor is super exciting because, uh, especially with WebAssembly. So uh, I'm a huge proponent of web applications. Um, and with Blazor WebAssembly, this is really Microsoft's, uh, and, and Blazor server-side actually too, uh, it's Microsoft's first ever uh, single page application framework. So mm -hmm. you get client side routing, you get, um, you know, dependency injection, you get all, you know, templating, you get all sorts of uh, things that you'd expect from like, you know, Angular or React or other single page applications, but with .NET. So you get to use all of your existing .NET uh, libraries that you're comfortable with uh, and all of your C Sharp skills come, you know, uh, along the way for the ride. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Blazor too. C Sharp in the browser without a plugin is is uh, basically a recipe for awesome sauce. But uh, <laughs> so some people may be somewhat familiar with Blazor, and I know that Blazor Server actually works with SignalR. SignalR is how it basically renders on the server and transmits to the client. But what you're going to be talking about is Blazor WebAssembly, and so this is is something I assume that the developers going to have to set up themselves. It's not kind of the out-of-box implementation that Blazor Server has. Is that correct? That is correct, yeah. So uh, to, to kind of uh, allude a little bit more into what you were just um, kind of prefacing that conversation with, Jeremy, the 
the Blazor server actually does require uh, SignalR um, to basically communicate the deltas, uh, so the changes in the DOM. Uh, and it's great, um, but there are, you know, performance considerations and all sorts of other things that come along with that. Um, so if you are using Blazor WebAssembly, you can host it as a standalone, uh, you know, static, statically if you want, um, or you can have uh, ASP.NET Core host it, and then you can have controllers. And then with that scenario, then you can actually open up the door to having, um, you know, hosted services, and you can have uh, your backend basically support SignalR, and then you can get that real-time web functionality um, inside your WebAssembly-based uh, Blazor applications. So it is an opt-in thing. Uh, it doesn't come out of the box, but if you're familiar with SignalR and you're familiar with Blazor um, kind of holistically, it's actually really easy to put these two things together and make them uh, a reality. So it's easy to say it's easy, but <laughs> actually showing it, I assume you have some uh, code you can share with us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I've I've been working on um, a Blazor demo, and I know that if Brady Gaster was on, he would sigh because one of the things that has been <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that's been done a lot is the the SignalR chat demo. Uh, but I promise you, this isn't your standard chat. Um, demo, right? This is a little bit more uh, mature and more of, you know, something more likened to uh, a production, um, you know, enterprise level type of uh, Blazor application uh, with chat. So uh, this is, uh, again, WebAssembly. So we've got our client and uh, the server. So this is hosted on ASP.NET Core. And then we've got some shared libraries. Um, so that's one of the nice things about Blazor specifically is that we can have a, uh, a class library that is shared. So this is .NET 5, um, and we're basically creating POCOs. So you know we have records. Uh, we've got various records oh, wow. that represent different, different things that you might be concerned with. Um, and all of this is shared between the server and client. So the server has an understanding of these different objects and their shapes and things like that. You know, we got API responses, commands, all these different things. Um, and it's nice because we get to reuse that code both on the server and the client. So the server is a uh, just a web app, essentially. So this is web API. Um, and with that, we get, uh, we could have, um, controllers and things of, uh, of that nature, right? So let me minify this. So our startup uh, basically configures um, our services for dependency injection. So we've got response compression. We have a couple extension methods that we've put together for adding our authentication. In this case, we're leveraging um, uh, Azure uh, Active Directory B2C. And then we have some services. We're configuring cores. Uh, we are going to uh, add our SignalR. So with SignalR, um, this, uh, this, there's no package reference here uh, on the server side because uh, th that comes out of the box. But on the client side, we will have to take on a dependency for the client um, SignalR connection. We're also specifying that we want to use message pack protocol. So this is a binary protocol versus the standard, which is JSON. Okay. Uh, and then, are there questions or keep going? 
Uh, no, I was just going to say I, I love the the fact that this example has everything built into it. It's authentication. And because I'll admit it, I get lazy sometimes when I'm doing <laughs> uh, demo apps and just slaps something together. But this will be great for people building Blazor WebAssembly in the enterprise. I know B2C is is a common way of, of doing authentication. So just calling out that I, I love seeing what you have here. Absolutely. Uh, so then we use endpoints, and this is how you basically configure uh, Blazor. So you're going to map your hub, and when you map hubs, it requires a, a subclass of hub. In this case, we're mapping our chat endpoint to our chat hub uh, implementation. If I just hit F12, that will take me to it. And our uh, chat hub is actually, we have an authorized attribute on it. It means that this is all protected. Um, we require a user chat scope, so our, our B2C skills are being flexed here. Uh, so this is all protected. Um, and then we have a whole slew of various uh, functionality that's kind of cool. So uh, in this hub, well, first of all, the hub is uh, a hub of T, so we can actually specify um, a contract here. And a lot of people don't do this, but this actually provides a little bit of strong typing around your hub. So you're not just using magic strings. So if we look at the chat client, our chat client interface is saying that we're going to allow a user to log on and that's going to accept a, an actor. When the user is logged off, we have another actor. Uh, we actually even have uh, whether or not the user is typing. So with chat applications, one of the nice thing is uh, you kind of sit there waiting for the person that you're interacting with to type, right? Mm -hmm. So we actually have that um, that communication happening in real time with SignalR. So like, for example, when we do the demo, I'll ask you to log into the app and I'll be into the app. And when you start typing, we'll be able to see that you're typing, right? And then we've nice. got... Um, uh, an actor message, which rec represents uh, a message as it's being received, and then a command signal. And uh, there's various commands. So uh, I went a little above and beyond with this application. And one of the things that I added was um, uh, a background hosted service that's sitting there and it, it's accepting commands. So from the chat window, if no one is around and I'm bored, I can actually interact with that hosted service. And that hosted service, uh, uh, I'll pull that up real quick, it acts as a bot, so a chat bot, essentially. So it's a background service, and it takes on the iHub context. So the background service, it's it's in process, but it's outside of the, res, uh, the request and response pipeline. So what that means is uh, as res, um, requests and responses are being handled by our middleware, uh, we have this background service that's just kind of spinning there independently. But we can use okay. various mechanisms here to kind of intercept commands and, and take different actions, right? Uh, so what I've done is I've got some jokes uh, that call out to different HTTP methods, um, various joke services, and we can basically uh, command jokes from the client. And then those jokes will be... Um, uh, uttered on our client browsers. And they even have the uh, the capabilities to show that messages are being, um, uh, uh, you know, our joke bots are, are emulating that they're typing to they're us. Typing. So yeah, yeah. So <laughs> nice. it's, a, it's a pretty neat little demo. Um, so in addition to, uh, let's see here, that's 
it's pretty much the server. So the server is going to offer up, um, and again, that's a bit of razor pages kind of starting off the, the app that's hosting. Um, so then the client side, uh, in our client application, we need to take on a dependency of the SignalR client. So this is this Microsoft ASP.NET Core SignalR client. Um, this is actually required for our WebAssembly application to establish a hub connection to the server. And we also take on the protocols message pack because we know that our server is specifying that it wants to talk uh, its protocol to be in message pack, uh, which is again, the binary format. Uh, so let's go to the very start of everything here. So we have our um, uh, our services that are uh, wired up. So we're going to add HTTP client. This is how we're going to actually talk to our uh, hosted, our, our server, right? So we have to configure our HTTP client so that it knows the base address for our, our um, hosted scenario. And then uh, this is the B2C configuration for MSAL. And then the app starts. Um, and then from there, it's basically all just standard uh, Razor and Blazor syntax, you know, using the Blazor, or sorry, the Razor view engine. Um, so if we look at the index, the index is a super complex markup file, right? We have our page, which represents wow. the root. <laughs> we have our authorized view. So this is going to basically say that uh, once we're authorized, we can show the chat room. Uh, otherwise, you'll just get like the, the standard layout. So once we have our chat view, our chat is, uh, this page is a bit more complex. It's got several primary sections. So I've kind of, um, I'll collapse them here for readability. So we have our chat messages container, and then we have the ability for us to post messages like in a, in a button. And then we have a modal for showing voice uh, options. So uh, the chat messages container. And one thing that you could probably do is you could break this up a little bit and you can have Blazor components. And um, But for simplicity, I kept it all in one place just to show you that within 127 lines of markup, you can have a mm -hmm. full functioning right like chat application, which is pretty free, uh, feature rich. Um, so as messages come in, uh, we'll for each over those. And uh, messages is a, a dictionary. Uh, and with dictionaries, you actually get uh, key value pairs for the entries, and then you can deconstruct those into tuple literals. So we have the ID and the message for each of those. And then we're going to just basically template out our, uh, you know, our markup here. So we've got list items, uh, and then we're basically just splatting the messages into the, the chat app, right? Our list of messages as they come in. And uh, we have a markup string. So a markup string is actually a struct from... Um, the components namespace. And it basically says that if you pass it text, it will treat it as markup and it's safe to, to display in the DOM, right? If you just splat a certain text HTML in there. Markup, yeah, right? it could, it, it's uh, possible that it can markup. contain that. Yep, absolutely. Okay, yeah. So, so this, this is how you basically explicitly opt into stating that your application uh, has text that potentially contains HTML, and that's the proper safe way to, to you know, display it. Uh, and then so from here, uh, we have basically a, a simple little form. We've got our input. So we're going to let the user uh, click a button to send messages. And it's just a simple text 
input, right? And that we're binding to. Uh, and then we have uh, some of the logic here for displaying whether or not multiple people are typing. Uh, and we got some of the tiebacks with signal R. So I'm going to show that now because the markup's a little less exciting. Um, so quick, so, quick question for you before mm -hmm. you dive into that. I noticed that mm -hmm. uh, you've got a font on your system. Uh, is it called a ligature? Is that correct? Where the goes yeah. into like the right arrow is a single error. So lots of new language constructs using records, using like the new without having to be redundant. But uh, mm -hmm. if I'm interested in, in this font, how do I get set up with that? Is that yeah, this is actually... <laughs> no, 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 no. So this is a programming ligature. You're absolutely correct. This is, if I just put a spacer, you'll see. Um, so what it does is basically takes uh, two characters together, and when it recognizes them together, it treats them as a ligature. Uh, you know, there's different ligatures that are available within this font set, but I'm using Fira code, and I've been using Fira. that for a long okay. time. Yep. Uh, so let's Good see. We've got a we've got a, a, a hub connection. And we have uh, several kind of private um, fields within our partial class. One thing to note here is that this is a partial class, right? Uh, so with uh, Blazor, you can actually shadow components. And I, I call it component shadowing. Um, I, I don't know if there's actually like a, an official term for it, but uh, <laughs> essentially what it does is if you have a chat room.razor, this razor markup file um, is actually compiled into a chat room C sharp class. So if you have a chat room.razor.cs, the IDE is smart enough to collapse those together. So it essentially shadows those uh, entities. And you end up putting a partial keyword on your class. And then that lets you share uh, that compilation from the markup and then essentially have what, you know, if you think back to web forms, this is kind of like code behind, right? Right. So exactly all of thinking. Yeah. So all of these members are actually available to us within our markup. So if you recall, when we were iterating over our templating for the messages that come in, uh, we were walking up to that messages uh, dictionary. That's that's represented right here. Um, so with that, uh, once our uh, constructor, uh, it's uh, so there are a few other things, right? So we we do have um, debounce timers. Um, so the debounce timer in this case uh, is essentially uh, in our chat uh, room. So for any individual client that fires up our app, logs into it, uh, is authenticated, and starts typing, there's a debounce timer that will reset after a certain amount of time. So when it first triggers, it's going to signal, uh, it's going to send a message through our SignalR um, letting whoever else is connected know that that individual is typing. And after a certain amount of time, mm -hmm. if they stop typing, it'll basically can't send like a cancellation that they're not typing anymore. Uh, so that's what this is for. The debounce timer, we're wiring in events, and that's handled as set is typing false after a certain amount of time. Uh, so we have some parameters, right? This parameter uh, attribute basically lets this property be assigned to from consumers. So if you recall from the index markup, uh, when we were saying our authorized view has a chat room, uh, we were requiring a user. So once it's authorized, there's a contextual user that's basically um, plotted on our context. So we have that claims principle user available to us. Uh, and additionally, with Blazor, when you want to do a dependency injection, there's no notion of dependency injection through 
constructor uh, constructors. Uh, so <laughs> you actually have to use you have to use this uh, inject attribute, and then you just do it basically with properties. So we can say inject our navigation manager, inject our IJS runtime. Uh, the JS runtime actually represents our proxy between our clients um, .NET and the JavaScript runtime for the context of our browser. And this is actually really, really cool because we can walk up to JavaScript and do various Blazor uh, interop and, and call into um, JavaScript APIs. So if I'll show you this real quick. This is super cool. So we've got this little interop folder. We've got JavaScript extensions and... Let me minimize that. So from here, we have uh, an extension method on the JS runtime that says speak async. And it's asynchronous returning a value task. We're going to pass a message, a default voice, and a voice speed, and then uh, a language. And that's expressed as uh, walking up to our JavaScript object and saying invoke void async given this name. So app.speak and then passing in all those arguments. So you might be asking yourself, well, what is app.speak? Where is that coming from? So this is our client JavaScript, which is part of our www root, which is registered with our index.html. So we have, uh, we're basically applying an app object to our window, you know, like our global scope. So then we can say app.speak, which is this function here. So speak takes a message, a default voice, voice speed, and language, and that's expressed as with a fat arrow. Uh, and this is actually using the native speech synthesis utterance that's available natively in JavaScript on the client browser. So we can instantiate an utterance given a message. We can walk up to the window and get all of the speech synthesis voices that exist. And we can try to find our corresponding voice for the utterance that we were specifying. And from that, we'll set our volume, the rate of speed if it was passed in. And then we'll ask the speech synthesis on the window to speak that utterance, right? So this is basically how you do kind of JavaScript interop. So there's all sorts of little fun bits there. Uh, so let's get to the fun part. So once our chat room is initialized, we instantiate a hub connection builder. We say we're going to use this chat um, app uh, route. If you recall, that's the server's route for our chat hub. And right. then we need to specify an access token provider. This is how we are going to connect our B2C tokens from uh, our, that our client already has access to to the hub that we're connecting to. If you recall, our hub is actually uh, requiring that authorized attribute with that specific scope. So sure. the client, once they're logged in, they have that scope. So we're going to attach the tokens for it. Uh, we're going to specify that we want automatic reconnect. We want to add message pack protocol. And then we have a few convenience um, things. We have a, a hub registrations. And this is basically just a hash set uh, um, of iDisposables. Because when you walk up to a connection and you say on message received, uh, it actually returns an iDisposable. So I want to be able to hold on to those and then clean those up uh, once our app's done, you know, if, if you navigate away from this um, uh, page. And then you just map all your, your connections. So we're basically saying that, you know, on a message received, we're going to handle it this way. When the user's typing, we're going to handle it this way, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, and then we've got different ways to, uh, you know, 
kind of notify uh, that users have been logged on and off with the little toaster. Uh, and then we're gonna start our hub connection. And then once it's started, we're going to focus on our element reference, which is our input for the message. And then once it's focused, we're gonna update some voices. And this is a little bit beyond the scope of this conversation, but uh, let's just fire the app up and take a look at it. Sure. So I've got the app here and I'm gonna log in. And it's gonna do the B to C flow. I've already signed up for the app. And once I sign in, the app's gonna restart and it's gonna notice that I'm authenticated and takes a second and pada, I get this giant message, right? The, this greeting message, which is kind of nice. So this greeting message um, is uh, the, the first message that comes out when uh, a new, like when you first sign in. And where that is explicitly coming from is from the server hub. So I'm gonna go back there just to show you that real quick. In the chat hub, the first thing that the app does is uh, I override on connected async. So this only fires one time per client. So uh, when a client connects, this event uh, fires. And actually, I'm sorry. So, so when this fires, um, we walk up to the clients and we say the caller. So the caller is the individual who connected at that point in time. And then we're gonna say message received and we're gonna pass them that new actor message. So it's a greeting and we format this huge greeting message, right? Which is the markup, right? So you can see there's uh, strong, there's breakpoints, uh, line breaks, stuff like that. Um, but that basically greets them with this little uh, message. And then from there, it's just a chat app. So uh, Jeremy, on your end, why don't you fire up the app to log in and... Um, I'm going to say testing one, two, three. Make sure this thing works, right? So, bam, now we got a message uh -huh. here. And then I can actually edit my own messages. So, I'll click on my message. Can I edit this? Of course I can. And it shows that it's edited. Um, I can actually select different voices. So, make this sound here. That's perfect. Uh, so I can actually walk up to this and say, oh, look at that. Hey, Jeremy, Jeremy Lickness logged on. So Jeremy's typing. I can see that you're typing now, right? So as you type messages, wow, am I really here? I think mm -hmm. so. Uh, so now, if you recall, I mentioned that we have that really entertaining little part where we can actually walk up to joke bots and stuff like that, and they will be uttered. So I'm going to say joke, Chuck, Norris. This is a special command syntax. So when the mm -hmm. command is received on our hub, there's that little service that sends there and the, the command signal sees this and says, is this a, a signal, right? Is this like a specific command? If it's recognized as that command, then it takes a different action rather than posting it to chat. So this is a command signal to tell my chat bot to wake up, tell a joke for the Chuck Norris joke bot. So let's post it and you'll see that Chuck Norris joke bot is typing. Scientists have estimated that the energy given off during the Big Bang is roughly equal to 1 CNRHK, Chuck Norris roundhouse kick. <laughs> right? And then, uh, yeah, there's the dad joke. How does bot. the moon cut his hair? Eclipse it. 
Oh, so you did the dad one, right? Or no? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's that's basically the application um, in a nutshell. You, we have emojis. You can edit your own stuff. I can't edit yours. Uh, you can have emoji support. There's different joke bots. Uh, those things are being uttered. So this app kind of shows a whole lot of different things kind of coming together. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to work on. So this is using Blazor WebAssembly, SignalR, um, and it shows off the interop capabilities. It shows native speech synthesis through the client browser. Um, it shows how to uh, like actually get these uh, voices that are available right here. Like this dropdown list is bound from a client. So we actually mm -hmm. have to go ask the client browser for the voices that it recognizes before it can populate these. And then the JavaScript actually calls back into our .NET. So there's all sorts of different examples of you know, the moving parts of Blazor WebAssembly, SignalR, JavaScript interop, uh, and real-time web functionality. So this, is, this has been a lot of fun. So the burning question is, where can I find the code? What is the repo for this? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so there, uh, there is a fork me link on this. Uh, uh, but it's if you go to github.com forward slash iEvangelist forward slash signalr hyphen chat, that'll take you to the source code. Perfect. Nice. Very, very cool application. I'll tell you what, Blazor in my mind is a game changer because... <laughs> It, it's not, is JavaScript good or bad or evil? It's that I'm a C-sharp developer. I've been developing with C-sharp and I have my libraries and my code and uh, all that history there. So being able to use it to develop an app like this as a single page application without having to jump into different languages and using what we have, very cool. Thanks for putting this together. Awesome, thanks for having me. This was great. Okay, well, that is Signal R on Blazor. David Pine, thank you, everyone, and we will see you on the next episode of On.net.